Strap on the boots and scrape up the knuckles. Oh, what a hit! He got jacked. This is the Big Red Ring. Presented by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Murray's going to score. Touchdown. Slammed to the ground by Buda Baker. Like a torpedo, he came flying into the backfield. <laughs> the Rage is brought to you by Santan Ford in Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. The Red Sea is rising up! Temperature rising, vision blurring, rage taking over. Here's Paul Calvisi. I'm ready. I'm 100% ready. I'm telling you I'm ready. And Ron Wolfley. It doesn't get any better than that. Unleash the fury! It's June 1st. That means we are another month closer to NFL football. Almost exactly 100 days away from week one at Washington. Oh, boy. And after today's OTA, Ron Wolfley, new head coach Jonathan Gannon, was asked about the robust attendance out there and his answer, and I do quote, if you want to get better at football, play football. (laughs) End quote. Jonathan Gannon, as that Cardinals practice field, uh, is akin to a construction zone these days. The only thing missing are the orange pylons and maybe the uh, backup beep of a uh, big dump truck because that heavy machinery sound out there is the uh, that of a new foundation being laid, a new culture being built brick by brick, if you will. And it is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We'll get into all that with Greg Dorch. Receiver extraordinaire momentarily right now, Paul Calvisi and Ron Wolfley on the original Thursday Night Football. Paul, he's so jacked up right now because, as you can imagine, of course, these OTAs, they're not just like some other team's OTAs, Paulie. <laughs> this is the Arizona Cardinals OTAs, and they've got a brand-new regime. They've got a brand-new way of doing things, a brand-new culture, starting with the general manager, Monty Ford, of course, and now J.G. and the coaching staff. OTAs are very, very important, of course, when you've got first-time coaches, you've got Jonathan Gannon and Monty Austin for trying to absolutely create this brand new culture out of nothing. These are important days for the Arizona Cardinals. I'll be honest with you. I, I have it right here my roster. I was not walking out into that field without a freshly printed roster. I don't think I've ever, in my almost 20 years covering the Cardinals here, gone to a roster as often as I did today. I'm like, okay, wait a minute. Who's that again? What, what really? name and what number? I mean... <laughs> It's a the turnover, just the new names and faces. It is remarkable. And Wolf, a little bit later, I'll regale you with my OTA takeaways from earlier today. And number, sounds good. Number one's going to be Isaiah Simmons. We'll get into that in depth a little bit later. Number two is going to be the run game. We'll get into that with James Conner and maybe your starting center as well. But I tell you, there's so much here that you can look at virtually every position group. And guess what? We now include receiver because that has evolved as well after the Cardinals to begin, well, the Memorial Day weekend. They released DeAndre Hopkins and Jonathan Gannon with his first comment when asked about the release of D-Hop today. All the factors that were in play, uh, we just felt that it was the best thing for the team to play with who we have. Um, Really no big deal to me. You know, we're operating on the premise that he was going to be here and now we're not. So uh, we're moving on. 
Look, you could have gone to Monty Austin for the new GM in his initial intro press conference when he said the words, and I quote again, ego will not be tolerated. Right there, you could have made a case. Guess what? Uh, D-Hop is not coming back. But there were a lot of reasons. It, it was went far beyond that, Wolf. And I know you've talked about it at length. What are your takeaways as the Cardinals sit right here, right now? Yeah, Paulie, you know, uh, once again with D-Hop, um, it wasn't a me situation. It was a we situation that got him gone. It was... It was just the fact that the Arizona Cardinals, as far as I'm concerned, looking at Hop, they were all in on saying, hey, listen, um, if he's not going to be the type of guy uh, from a practice perspective that we need, we're not going to have him on this team. And I think that may have got him out of here more than anything else because, again, you're taking a jackhammer to an old foundation, Paul. That's what J.G. is doing right now. That's what Monty Ford is doing. You're taking a jackhammer to the old foundation. You're ripping it up, and you're going to pour all new foundation to build your culture on. And a guy that isn't going to practice, I think they've made it very, very clear that um, he's not going to be here, and that's part of the old old culture yeah yeah it's just you're right I mean everything sort of fits under the heading of not a great fit about to turn 31 the yeah. fact the fact is cap hit would have been nearly 31 million this year you just saved over 19 million in real cash you don't have to pay him you can take the entire cap hit of over 23 million here this season only by letting him go before June 1st. Uh, everything from the style of the offense, and there's going to pre- be a premium on receivers blocking, to if you're going to begin this season <laughs> close to how you be- ended last season with a backup quarterback, Hop didn't look all too interested in that scenario. So there's a lot of different reasons why the headline reads, and this is our own Jim Omohundro, well done, from ex-receiver, as in the letter X, to X receiver, as in EX. <laughs> That's the headline. Yeah, that is a headline right yeah. now, Paulie. And, of course, everyone is saying, you know, what are you going to do? How are you going to replace him? Well, you're going to replace him by starting with the running game, Paul. That is how you're going to replace him. You're going to start running the ball. That, and, and guess what? You're going to see what you have under the hood in the rest of that receiver room. In fact, Jonathan Gannon commented on that today. Obviously, he's a great player. Um, you know, with the guys that we have on the team right now, they present some challenges to the defense with their skill sets. I think uh, just with the guys that we have out there, getting the best 11 out there, who's our one, two, three, four, five, six, and um, putting them guys in positions to make plays for us and use their skill sets accordingly, I think we'll be okay. And again, we're going to get into it with Greg Dortch, right? He's going to be part of that rotation. But if you have Hollywood Brown and Rondale Moore and Greg Dortch and Zach Paschal, and then the third-round rookie, Michael Wilson. So there's basically the nucleus of your receiver room. How comfortable are you when I list off those names at that position group? I'm really comfortable, Polly, because once again, you're going to run the ball. Did I say that, Paul? You're going to run the ball. You're going to line up and you're going to play some smash-mouth football, and that's one of the reasons why I'm so fired up about that, because they are going to run the ball. But having said that, 
of all the names you just ripped off to me, Michael Wilson is the guy. Michael Wilson is a guy that is a large target. He's a guy that is very, very smart, and because of that, I think the learning curve of a wide receiver coming into the National Football League is going to go so much smoother for him because of his brain. And a lot of the times, you've got to be able to run these read routes and be on the same page as your quarterback, and I think Michael Wilson is going to pick up the NFL game quickly. We'll see. That's a guess. But we'll see if he is able to actually contribute in a big way his rookie year. It's going to be different. On game day, DeAndre Hopkins, a perennial pro bowler, he commands a lot of attention from the defense. Yes. And that sort of attention trickles down to everyone else. We, We know that. But here's the thing. He has missed 15 of his last 26 games. So the Cardinals became used to playing without DeAndre Hopkins. And so when it comes to replacing D-Hop, well, guess what? They've been there and done that. Here's Jonathan Gannon on that challenge. You know, I'm not really looking to replace D-Hop. Um, what I'm looking for is, is us to play together winning football as a team. And that's, that's just not the receiver room. That's the tight end group, the O-line group, the quarterback group, running back group. The defense, the special teams, the kicking. So football is never about one guy. It never has, never will be. And um, we all got to pull our weight. Yeah, we're going to ask Greg Dortch just about the upside still in that receiver room, including Hollywood Brown. You remember before he suffered the foot injury in week six, Wolf, Hollywood Brown was top five in receiving yards and top seven in receptions. He was among the league leaders with Kyla Murray out of the gate. So if you consider him wide receiver one, Hollywood Brown, what do you think? What, do you, what sort of season, especially a contract year, for Marquise Hollywood Brown. I just wonder what's in store for him. Yeah, Paulie, first of all, once again, because the Arizona Cardinals are going to run the ball and because they are going to put a quarterback under center and because they are going to run play action, a lot of play action, Hollywood Brown tore up the league on a lot of play action when he was with the Baltimore Ravens. It's what he does. His speed, of course, allows him to get by. You run that play action, suddenly those safeties settle down, and they pad their feet, and they chop it up, and then suddenly you got Hollywood running a a nine route down the sideline, right? And that's some of the some of the plays I expect to see from this offense going forward. And Marquise Hollywood Brown is going to be right in the middle of that because of how good he is as a receiver that gets down the middle of the field as well on play action, Paul. Well, to your point, James Conner was asked today, and once again we'll hear from James Conner a little bit later, but the takeaway quote, at least for your purposes, I'm guessing, is when he was asked, hey, James, what do you like about this new offense? And he immediately said, and I quote, that we're going to be running the ball a lot. <laughs> and that he's already watched Brown's film for insight into the Drew Petzing scheme, and he likes the way they use Nick Chubb, put it that way. Oh, my goodness. It is a beautiful thing to behold. Now, granted, the Cleveland Browns have an excellent offensive line. They do, and they run the ball very, very well. And Nick Chubb is just simply, uh, I to me, he's the best running back. If I was going to pick one running back, I kid you not, and I might surprise you with this, but I was going to pick one. To build a running attack around it be Nick Chubb. Mm. He is incredible to watch. He's built low to the ground. He's powerful. You can't knock him off his feet easily. Love Chubb. By the way, I think the Cardinals' O-line is a little more settled than most people might think. We'll get into that a little bit later as well. Reminder, single game tickets on sale now. ACCardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. ACCardinals.com slash buy 
buy tickets. Up next, five teams in his first two years in the NFL before he got traction with the Cardinals. Right, He went into last season only three career catches, ended up being the Cardinals' leading receiver in multiple games. We're going to talk to Greg Dortch when we come back. The Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Fires right side, and it's caught in the end zone. A touchdown, Greg Dorch. That is big time from Dorch and Kylo. Snap to Murray. Quick throw left side. It's caught at the one and into the end zone for the touchdown is Greg Dorch. Give to Greg Dorch. He's across the 40 to the 45-50 into Tampa territory. Inside the 45, spinning his way to the 42-yard line. Greg Dorch with more energy right now than the entire Tampa defense. <laughs> There's a big chunk run. Pulled in by Dort. Breaks a tackle at the 30. Far side 35. Another broken tackle. 40. Pass to the left. Caught by Dort. First down of the 50. Far side 40. 35-30. Cuts back to the right. 25-20. Dort still at his feet. 15. And finally tackled at the 13. This is the one thing that is undeniable about Greg Dortch. Every time he gets the opportunity to play, he makes plays. Make plays, make the team. It, it just started in camp last year, and it continued all the way through the end of the season. And we're talking about a season where our guest on the Big Red Rage set career highs and games played. Games started, catches, receiving yards, touchdowns. Last time we talked, in fact, it wasn't even in America. It was in Mexico City. It was after your big game against the 49ers. There we were in that cramped makeshift locker room at Estadio Azteca. And now, you know what? We're done messing around here on the Big Red Rage, brought to you by Santan, Ford, and Gilbert. We're going to talk some real ball. We're going to talk with Greg Dortch. Greg, welcome back. And uh, I tell you what, let me start with camp last year because at the end of camp, all the coaches gave you props and praise for setting the tone for virtually everyone else, right? And... To what degree do you think that propelled you through the regular season? Everything you did in August, how much did that carry over? Uh, man, just that whole process of me not knowing if I was going to be on the team or not and then getting a call from the Cardinals and um, just coming to training camp, man, I was just trying to just showcase my abilities and show the coaches that um, I could show up every day and be consistent. Um, and it, it honestly just carried on into the season, man, and I just waited my turn and um, my turn came, and I just took advantage of that. Even when you got the call that you made the team, you still weren't totally certain, right? I remember you saying that because your yeah. first year in the league. It happened before, yeah. My first year in the league, I made the 53, um, and then the next day when they claimed the guy off waivers, they released me. Mm. So you start last season, right? You lead the Cardinals with seven catches for 63 yards against KC week one. Week two, you had four grabs, 55 yards, had the touchdown. Week three against the Rams, nine grabs, 80 yards. And then the snaps were inconsistent. Over the next seven games, you only had five catches. Yeah. What happened? Why? Refresh my memory. Uh, honestly, it was, that's just the name of the game, man. You um, Coming in, Rondell was the starter. Um, I think he went down with an injury. So um, my name got called, and it was just time for me to step up and make a play. But once he got healthy, it's, it was his job. So um, I went back to being his backup. Um, so that's really the main reason why I lost snaps. But then when you, as Wolf and Pash said there in the highlight montage, when you got your chance, you made darn sure to maximize yeah. your chance, like the breakout game in Mexico City mm-hmm. against the Niners, right? Yes, sir. Um, you never know when your number's going to get called again. So, um, shoot, man, I was excited to be in Mexico and just get my name called and my number called. And honestly, Rondell was the starter. He, he was ready to go. And the first play of the game, I think he went down 
Um, so it was that's right. First yes. play, he went down. It had just started raining mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. right right before kickoff, yep. and then that's right. Yep. And you know what? Your forty-seven yard catch and run against the Niners in Mexico City was the longest play from scrimmage until. Until the very final game, the 77-yarder, right? Yeah, yeah. And, and, and the uh, A.J. Green catch yep, and run. Yep, I remember, uh, I remember everybody talking about that. But I was excited for A.J. when that happened yeah. for him. I knew that was going to be his last game. So for him to go out like that, man, it was great. Yeah, that was like the second play of the game. They set him up yeah, in his, his finale. Greg Dorch is our guest here on the Big Red Rage. How many times have you heard the following? Yeah, you're not big enough to play football. <laughs> My whole life, man. I've been playing football since I was six, and I've always been – pretty much the smallest guy um so you just got to find ways to make plays man that's that's an excuse size is an excuse so I coached my son's little league team a few years ago right and we'd play some of these teams I'd look over there I'd go what are they putting HGH in the juice boxes (laughs) like what is going on here and I used to have a saying with these kids in the in the dugout I say you know what bigger isn't better yeah better is better Mm -hmm. go out there and be better on the field for sure. What is your mentality, and, and how have you been able to be the point one percent of football players in the world just by making an NFL roster? Yeah, I think I've just been blessed, man. When I go out there, like regardless of stature, I feel like I play big. Like I really do. I feel like if you throw a ball my way, I can go it, go up and high point it. Um, I can make people miss. I just feel like I play bigger than my size, man, and it's it's taking me a long way. Because you're listed at five seven one seventy five, right? Yeah, so I'm a little bigger than that, but um, you look like you. Put yeah, on yeah. a little weight, huh? For sure. I've definitely hit the weight room a lot um, this offseason. I'm ready to go. But I remember you telling us last year in the Big Red Rage, you said, you know what? In a phone booth, I'll still make you miss. Yes, yeah, no doubt. You're not, I promise you, you won't touch me. <laughs> Where does the confidence come from then? Uh, Myself, man. Just the, the amount of work that I put in. Man. I, I really believe in myself. And I know that what's done in the dark will always come to light. Man, I, I'm always working. Um, whether you see me or not, I'm, I'm going to be the same guy. Because here's the other thing. What is your sophomore year of college? You were first-team All-American return specialist yeah. by, like, Sports Illustrated, mm-hmm. Pro Football Focus. So, so I mean, yes, you defy the odds, and you made it as, a, as an undrafted rookie, right? Yep. But then again, there you were at the Combine, and your roommate, once upon a time, right, was? Mm-hmm. Hollywood Brown. How did that go, by the way? Refresh <laughs> our memory on that story. Yeah, so it was uh, – I didn't know. So I, I got into the hotel room, and uh, – you know, Hollywood, he had a lot of uh, media and press surrounding him. Um, so he wasn't really in the room that much. So I was in the room uh, really, like, eating peanut PB&Js and just trying to, like, up my weight for the combine. Um, and then he walks in with this big old, like, bags of, like, Adidas gear. And he got, he's got all this gear. And I'm like, bro, what's up, bro? And, like, he was like, bro, what's up? Like, it was just crazy that we were roommates. You know what I'm saying? Like, we, we talked to each other, but, like, that was really, like, our first time getting a chance to hang out and, um, it was just cool, man. It was cool. And now that we're teammates, it's just like it's just full circle. All right, so tell us about the receiver room, especially now minus D-Hop. W- what is Drew Petzing? What is Drew Terrell? What mm-hmm. do they want to see out of you? What do you think they envision as your role? Yeah, uh, just just being that guy that they can rely on, um, just being consistent whenever my name's called. They know that I can play. It's all on film. So um, just getting adjusted to the new playbook and um, – I don't know, man, just being consistent and being the person that they want me to be in, in the right spots that they want me to be at. What is the best way to utilize your skill set? I mean, we, we saw you, a lot of passes behind the line of scrimmage, a lot of sideline to sideline sort of you know mm-hmm. horizontal stuff, but then you were effective when you were targeted downfield too. I mean, how would you draw things up to utilize your skill set? Uh, just call my number. Man. It doesn't matter how you give, it, give me the ball. Um, it could be a jet sweep. It could be, uh, I'll, shoot, I'll take a handoff in the backfield. Um, I just want the ball in my hands, man. I feel like I can make uh, plays when the ball is in my hand. 
Greg Dorch is our guest here on the Big Red Rage. Earlier today, the media was allowed to watch one of the OTA sessions. It's a different vibe out there, isn't it, with this new coaching staff? For sure. I love it, though. They're, uh, they have everybody ready to go. Uh, the mentality is just a little bit different. Um, and it takes some time to get used to, but um, at the end of the day, man, you know that they just want to win. And if you want to win, then you, 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 follow, you follow the leader. What would you say is key so far, and I know it's really early, in the sort of culture that Jonathan Gannon is setting? And, and I'll just give you my quick takeaway. You know, we started this offseason, and there was a move made in the head coaching and the GM spots. And the owner, Michael Bidwell, made a comment that we have to address accountability. Mm-hmm. And when I watch some of what's going on in the field, there's no lack of accountability where guys, sure. you know, I mean, coaches are being very vocal about what they want, yeah. correct? Yes, sir. And you, man, you love that as a player, man, because um, not only are the coaches holding you accountable, but now your teammates. You know what I'm saying? Like if I mess up on a route or something's just not right, I have teammates and brothers who can come up to me and I'll listen. It's not a bicker back and forth and whether I'm right or he's wrong or we're just all listening on the same page, just trying to win, man. We just everybody just wants to win. All right, let's play a little bit of true or false, right? The Cardinals offense will be much more balanced this <laughs> year than the last couple of years. True or false? True. How much would a run game open up the pass game? Because, look, I mean, I think it was pretty obvious the last few years that it was a pass-first mentality. Yeah. And we had Corey Clement in here. We've had James Conner in here. We had offensive linemen. I mean, these guys are really mm-hmm. looking forward to a renewed emphasis on the run game. For sure, man. It just – it'll make it a lot easier on the quarterbacks. Uh, man, the run is big. The Titans run the ball the whole game, man. And then they'll play action and, and go above your head. So um, the run is important. Uh, once you establish a run game and you get all the backers and everybody coming up, that's when all the, the deep posts, you got Rondell, 4-2, Hollywood, 4-2, you got all these speedsters. Man, so you run the ball, run the ball, run the ball, and you throw a play action in there. Now we're behind them. Touchdown. Let me ask you a follow-up on Hollywood Brown real quick. When he went down week six at Seattle, Tariq Wool and him went down. He had the foot injury. He was top five, top seven in catches yeah. and receiving yards at that point. Yeah, he was playing really good ball. What's the upside, you think, still on Hollywood Brown? Man, he's so talented, man. He's just – he's a competitor. Um Every ball that's in the air is his. Um, yak, uh, he's, he'll block. He's just he's just an all-around uh, wide receiver one, man. He's ready to go. I'm, a, I'm, I'm very excited and a proud teammate, man. I'm really excited to be like one of his teammates, bro, and get to go to war with him. So how would you describe what you know of the offense so far in terms of mentality or style? Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm guessing it's going to be much more of a straight ahead. Yeah, I honestly would say it's, just a, it's a mixture of a lot of things, man. Just play action. Uh, we can go in the shotgun. Uh, they're doing a they're doing a really good job of just throwing a, throwing everything at the defense. Like you you won't know what's coming. Anybody out there catching your eye? Any, I've heard some good things about the undrafted rookie running back Amari DiMarcato, number thirty one. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Wilson, obviously the third rounder. He, sure. he, he looks the part. Yes, sir. Uh, I love Michael's game. Uh, I think he'll be ready to go. He's a very creative guy, and he he's very detail oriented. Like he wants to be in the right spot. He wants to. Uh, make sure everything's perfect. Um, but another guy, number 13, Keytrail. Um, I might be a little biased because he's from Richmond, Virginia, and I've known him, you know what I'm saying, for a couple of years now. Um, but he's a baller. You were a high school state player of the year in Virginia, right? Yes, sir. 
remember Trace McSorley. He didn't take kindly to you saying that your team would have whipped his team because his team went to like four straight state finals. He yeah. said, no, no chance. No, we probably would have beat them by 21. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's the full circle confidence we need, Greg. That's, that's the sort of yeah, confidence. we would have blew them out. <laughs> we need out there. Hey, man, we're looking forward to it. Seriously, what you did in August and how it carried through the entire season, um, you know, I'm looking forward to that, just taking the next step this season. Appreciate the time. Yeah, man, I appreciate you. There you go. Receiver Greg Dorch, our guest. We continue with the Big Red Rage, presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Dalton straight drop back. Throws over the middle, and a one-handed interception by Isaiah Simmons in midfield. Runs it back to the left of the 40, at the 30, at the 25, at the 20, and Simmons in, back-to-back. Interception returns for touchdown by the Cardinals at the end of the half. Oh, my goodness, what a play. Isaiah Simmons just standing there in his own room on the middle of the field. There's that sub-4-4 of Isaiah Simmons. Touchdown, baby! You see it all in that one play. You see the explosion. You see the hands. You see the playmaking, nose for the football. You see his ability to finish, to be a game-changer, a playmaker. Isaiah Simmons, man, if this new Cardinals coaching staff can dial in the former first-round pick and get him into form and find a spot for him in this defense where he can be a consistent force. That will go a long way in 2023 and the career of Isaiah Simmons, which in some ways hangs in the balance after the team elected not to pick up his fifth-year option, so it is officially a contract year for Isaiah Simmons. It is the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Special thanks to Greg Dortch for joining us in the final in that last segment. But as we go forward here, we're going to talk about Isaiah Simmons. We'll get into the run game but Wolf I mean when people asked you about the number eight pick in the draft once upon a time Isaiah Simmons where are you at with him in his career and and I use the word where in terms of where do you play him and where does he best fit yeah I know Paulie it really is it is a tough question to answer right now listen when Isaiah Simmons came out as the number eight pick I you know what I wanted them to do Paulie I wanted to take him and stick him as the weak side inside linebacker and just leave him there just stick him as the weak side inside linebacker now that doesn't mean obviously that on certain personnel groups and certain formations if in fact you've got one running back and the other running back splits out or you've got two tight ends and one tight end is on the line the other one is off into the slot that you're not going to move him off into the slot you're not going to move him around but you, you had to make it part of the weak side inside linebacker position to me i was saying it paulie and you know that you can you can back me up on this yep but i was saying that from the very beginning just stick him in one position and let him master that position let him be that guy i need you to do a isaiah i need you to do b c and d i need you to do those four things are you capable of mastering those four things That's what I wanted to see from Isaiah Simmons, and he's just too alluring for coaches. He's got everything you could possibly want from a football player. He's got length. He's got size. He's got incredible, exceptional speed. He's got athleticism. He's got a brain, and because of all that, Paul, 
you want to move him around and turn him into this X weapon. And unfortunately, I think it's only clouded the situation for Isaiah. Yeah, I think coaches have been intrigued by the fact that you really give a quarterback something to think about when they break the huddle. Where is number nine? Where, yeah. where is the X factor, Isaiah Simmons? Oh, he's playing inside, weak side. No, he's on the edge. No, he's deep center field safety. Oh, look, now he's in the slot. So to what degree was that a detriment for Isaiah Simmons himself? And what does that mean now going forward into his fourth season? Jonathan Gannon was asked about his plan for Isaiah Simmons. As we move forward, you know, I want to see him get comfortable in a couple of spots we're playing him, but he's obviously a very unique talent, and he can do a lot of things for you uh, defensively and schematically because he can match up with different people, and he's he's got a skill set that, you know, he can cover a slot, he can cover a tight end, he can play stacked, he can play deep, so we're going to try to use him the best way we can. All right, a couple quick points. Last year, in terms of percentage play, snaps played, Slot corner was a position where he got the most action. Now, when he was drafted, I think we all remember that the decision makers of the time said he was drafted to cover the tight end, the George Kittles of the world, the Travis Kelsey's of the world. Obviously, he has the size and the speed to be able to do that. But then there's a comment that Vance Joseph, the Cardinals' four-year defensive coordinator, made at the end of last season about Isaiah Simmons. And he said, and I'm loosely quoting, that what they found is Isaiah Simmons is more designed to play in space as opposed to being in the box. And so, hence, I think that's why he's currently at safety. That position switch was made the start of last offseason, and he was put into the safety room with Jalen Thompson, Buda Baker, et cetera. And that's where he remains with this new regime. See, Pauline, I'm so glad you brought that up because that's exactly right. That's what happened right there. Instead of sticking him at the weak side inside linebacker and saying, I need you to do A, B, and C. And, oh, by the way, A is be able to take on a block at the point of attack with good leverage, honor your gap, and be able to get off said block and make a play. I demand that's what you do instead of just letting him go out there. And, yeah, he's capable of doing it. He does it. And it was a consistency issue with Isaiah Simmons. Sometimes he would be able to do things, and then other times he would not. You could move him to any different position, and sometimes he could do things, and other times he could not. To me, he's got to be able to master the position, whatever that position is. And, oh, by the way, we're going to need you to actually cover backs coming out of the backfield if you're going to play that weak side inside. We need that. We need you to also rush and be a good blitzer. We need you to do A, B, and C. And not only do we need you to do it, we demand that you do it. And instead of that, I think they just said, well, let's just find the – the best position for this guy because he can play. It was very interesting to hear that. He can play here. He can play here. He can play there. But the question is, Paulie, should he play there? Mm-hmm. Why not put him in one yep. spot and let him play? And the, and the conundrum to all this is that when he was first drafted, what we all wonder? Oh, man, does he look good in a uniform? He's like a unicorn. Look at that freak. Is he going to come up and hit you? Is he going to play with force? And and Wolf, his rookie year, he did not hesitate. How many times Paul, did you cite during a game, right? Paul, he didn't. I know. And that is that is the thing that is perplexing to me. Now, I, I know that Vance Joseph 
also said that his eyes, he had a problem with his eyes, that Isaiah Simmons would allow his eyes to get to him. And when you're playing at that second level, your eyes have got to send good and true messages to your brain. And that's where he would get tricked from time to time was with his eyes. But the one thing I know about Isaiah Simmons that fills me with hope for him that he's going to have a successful NFL career, Paulie, is the fact that this guy is not afraid. He is not. I've seen him. I've seen him take his face and stick it right into the fan, and and that tells me he's not afraid. So I, I think this is part of the demanding. Put him at a position and start making demands of a guy that is wildly talented and then see what happens. Right. Speaking of, Nick Rowless, there's a new defensive coordinator in town. He was on your show, the Wolf and Luke show this week in Arizona Sports 98.7 FM, and you guys talked about just letting Isaiah Simmons master one position initially. When you first arrive, you say, oh, my God, this guy can do this. 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 And it's, oh, wait, hang on. Is that fair to the player? Right. Let's make sure that whatever we ask him to do first, he masters it. Yes. But every guy, especially with a new scheme, needs a chance to get really comfortable with what is that one assignment in this call, in this call, in this call. I think if you try to master too many things initially at once, you don't master any of them. And that's really close to the point you've been trying to make the entire offseason, is it not? Yeah, Polly. I mean, for the most part, I've been talking about it his whole career. Isaiah Simmons, let him master one position. Put him there and, again, make those demands. I, I love what Nick just said. He just said, is it fair to the player? Yeah, he can do this, Polly. Yeah, he can move all over the place. And that's so cool right there. But is it really fair to the player? Are, are we doing him a disservice by not allowing him to truly understand his job description and understand what it is we want him to do at one position before we start moving him around. And that, to me, is what I think this staff is going to be bent on doing. They're doing it right now in OTAs, of course, and into training camp. This is what we're going to see with Isaiah Simmons, and we'll see where that goes. You know what else is interesting is when you first started the discussion with Nick Rowless about Isaiah Simmons and you asked for his initial takeaways, he said, well, as an outsider looking in, you realize, okay, he's one of the great athletes in the NFL. What I didn't realize till I started working with Isaiah Simmons is, quote, how intelligent he is. Yes. So the fact that he can master all these different positions, which, let's face it, a lot of players just wouldn't have the mental capacity to handle Correct. four, five, six different positions, maybe can actually worked to his own detriment because he's been doing this since his college career. He played a half dozen positions his last couple of years at Clemson. So maybe it's just a case of, okay, he does know how to play, at least in the playbook, but it's a lot different knowing it on the play scheme than executing it on the field. And so with that in mind, they reduce his job description, and maybe that's how you get more production out of Isaiah Simmons. We'll see. My personal thought is he's staying at safety. You have Buda Baker, you have Jalen Thompson. Who else did you sign in the offseason? I mean, he's your third safety, but we'll see what they do. Single game tickets on sale now. Go to azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seats today. The run game is next on the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Second down and 10. Man in motion is Dort. McSorley under center. 
give to Connor. Looking left, runs off tackle left side, 20-10. Races inside the five and into the end zone. James Connor houses it from 22 yards out. That's the Cardinals' run game, wearing down the defense in the fourth quarter, and it pays off with a first touchdown of the game. And it all started by putting the quarterback under center with 12 personnel, one back, two tight ends, run the ball, tackle zone concept. James Conner houses it. Look, nobody's created the laminated play sheet just yet. We're about 100 days away from week one at Washington. But, Wolf, is there not enough anecdotal evidence, players and coaches talking, that it appears that there will be renewed emphasis on the run game? And if nothing else, the offense will be a lot more balanced, effective this year under Jonathan Gannon, Drew Petzing and company. It is a Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford, and we are looking forward to that run game. Are we not, Wolf? There's no doubt about it, Pauline. It's one of the areas the Arizona Cardinals must get better at. Rundown situation, first and ten, second and one to six. You just got to be able to line up and hammer somebody with a downhill rushing attack, especially, Paulie, when you got a guy like James Conner. You got a guy who's 6'2", 232, 235 pounds, somewhere in that vicinity, Paulie. You got to let him get ahead of steam attacking that line of scrimmage because that makes that second level suck up. And, Paul, when that second level sucks up because they're thinking, oh, my goodness, that's James Conner, 6'2", 232. Coach is telling me about how this guy loves to run downhill and attack the line of scrimmage. You're going to suck up, and then we're going to throw the ball right over your head on play action, Paul. That's the conundrum when you've got a big back that can attack the line of scrimmage. And you know what, too? I'll even say this, Paulie. Keontae Ingram. Mm. I don't forget about this kid because Keontae Ingram, I like his mass. He's got a little butt to him right there. So does Corey Clement as well. Just being able to attack the line of scrimmage. You're 5'10", 225 pounds. Hey, Paul, you try to tackle 5'10", 225. I, it'll kill you. Yeah, I'm going to turn that down. That's a business decision for me. I will not, I will not be meeting that in the hole. I can tell you that right here, right now. Look, I asked James Conner today. First off, by the way, he mentioned Keontae Ingram. It's definitely taken that year one to year two jump. That Ingram looks really good in this offseason oh, and has wow. excelled in the OTA. So that's an astute observation by you that's backed up by James Conner. But I did ask Conner towards the end of his press conference today in my Pauly pencil neck fashion. I just said, look. There were a few games last year where you averaged over five yards a carry and you only got 12 or 15 carries. Are are you really looking forward to getting the rock more? And have you told the coaches you can double that sort of workload? And his answer was, and he, he was deadly serious. He said, and I quote, talk is cheap. He said, I haven't said anything to the coaches. He said, you got to show it. You got to prove it on the practice field. You got to prove it in the league. He said, I'm just trying to set an example right now. So they know, they can see that I can carry the load and be a leader, et cetera. So there was that comment. And then there was this answer when he was asked, what excites you about the Cardinals' new offense? Uh, that we're going to be running the ball a lot. Yeah, I love that. I just love it. I just love the possibilities of what it could be, the pieces we have, you know, just playing as one. That's what I love about it is our message. That's the main thing I love about it is our message, and that's playing as one. 
It's yeah, not, plain it, as one, Paulie. It's not even what they say. It's the reaction when they're asked about the run game and the Cardinals' offense. His reaction, the way he smiled. Uh, Corey Clement, when we had him in studio, right, Wolf? I mean, yep. the tight ends, Trey McBride, oh, 12 and 13 personnel. I mean, <laughs> it's coming. Tick tock. No, it is coming, Paulie. And, again, the construction of this offensive line as well. When they went out and they signed Calvin Beecham and Will Hernandez, those two guys right there, when they signed them back to this offensive line, it pretty much told me everything that we're going to see from this offense because those are two power-packed, really strong dudes at the point of attack Paris Johnson Jr., I don't know where they're going to start him out. I, I think I'd put him at left guard. That's where I'd put him on the left side so he could move out to left tackle eventually. And, I, and I got him time. at right tackle, by the way, just to let you know. That's right, Paulie. Yeah, you yeah. do, exactly. And maybe D.J. Humphreys being the dog he is, maybe he could flip over to right tackle. I, I don't know what they're going to do. At some point in time, I love the offensive line and yelled a throw hole, too. It's so important that you have a center, Paulie, that understands the scheme like the offensive coordinator understands the scheme because now he can make all the proper line calls and adjustments on the field in real time. Paulie, that's so important for your center to be capable of doing that. And Froholt is, and that's why it's going to be very interesting. If there, if there's one guy, and I know this is going to say surprise to you, Paul, but if there's one guy that I want to follow that first day, it's going to be the offensive line group, but it's going to be Froholt hmm. that I want to watch. I want to watch him, Paul. Well, unless the rookie John Gaines has an unbelievable training camp, I'm guessing they're going with Yelda Froholt as your starting center. He has four years in the league. He played the position in a pinch for Cleveland last year. He held his own very well. And today in meeting the media, he was asked, uh, okay, you're the starting center as of right now from what we can tell. So what is the potential of the run game? We have a great backfield, you know, leading with uh, JC there and uh, – I do believe that we're putting a lot of emphasis on it, and I think the offensive line is really to take that challenge. Uh, it's always going to be hard, and it won't always be success, but uh, I know that our guys are willing to work for it because um, if we have success in the round, it's also going to be easier for us to pass pro, and it's going to be easier for, easier for us to manage the game. So that's definitely a priority for us. He's already lost his voice, he said. So, and so that's, that's why he sounds Ball, a little awesome. hoarse right there. But look, That's because the center is out there making yeah. all the calls, Paulie. I'll say this. I mentioned some of my takeaways from OTAs today. Um, the, the trenches, okay, the line of scrimmage. I'll say Cardinals are thinner at D-line than I think you realize. I wouldn't be surprised if they didn't sign a veteran or two before training camp. We'll see. But I also think the Cardinals are deeper than I realized at offensive line. they, they got a lot of guys with a lot of experience, and they got some young guys coming up. The Marquise Hayes, like last year, who didn't play, I think he's going to be a factor in that competition for guard. A lot of guys talking how good Josh Jones looks. He's in a contract year. I mean, there are – I think they go about nine or ten deep right now on the offensive line. I don't think it's nearly the liability that maybe the national analysts believe. No, Paulie, that is really an excellent observation by you right there. I forgot about Marquise Hayes. Yeah, he was the talk of yeah. training camp. You know, he was he was good for him. a fight every other day. 
Yeah, yep. he he really was, and that's okay if you're talking to my offensive lineman because that's that's exactly what I want out of him. Just brawl, buddy. Go ahead and drop it right now. And I'm really, really excited, Paul. And one of the reasons why I'm excited about this team and this offense specifically is because of the offensive line and because of Drew Petzing and what I think we're going to see. We're going to see a Cleveland Brown-type offense being run here, and I can't wait for that. Paulie, because that's a mentality, brother. That is a mentality where you demand your offensive line comes off the ball and gets movement at the point of attack, and I don't care who you're playing against. I demand you do it. And you know what? That means there's going to be coaches out there elevating their voice and yelling from time to time. And I walked out, and I heard practice, Paul, and I heard some yelling from coaches, and that felt really, really good. You know what? It was Kaiser White that talked about with you this week. I remember what he told you about Jonathan Gannon because Kaiser White knows him as well as anyone, and he said, some coaches tell you what you want to hear. That's not JG. Jonathan Gannon will tell you what you need to hear. And I can back that up. Just being out there today, there were a number of players who got lit up, who got held (laughs) accountable. I'm just going to tell you that right now. So there's that. And then what was interesting what Jalen Thompson said to the media today about Nick Rallis, for example. He said, and I quote, he lets the players be a little more free on defense. Interesting. Okay. Yes. And then because everybody wants the quarterback news, Clayton Toon, I'm expecting him to get a lot of reps when we get to camp. <laughs> Jonathan Gannon gave three takeaways so far. Number one, he's not scared to fit the ball into tight windows. Two, his handle of the offense has impressed the coaches. His football IQ. Number three, he plays the position of the way it should be played with confidence and command. Clayton wow. Toon. So we'll see what he's all about because remember, we'll see. Behind Colt McCoy, there are two journeymen, so he's got every single chance to make an impression, no doubt about it. Once again, single game tickets on sale, azcardinals.com slash buy tickets to secure your seat today. Special thanks to Greg Dorch, Cardinals receiver, our Jim Omohundro, Cody Fincher, Ferran Wolfley, on Paul Calvisi. This has been the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. We are Santan Ford. Number one, Kyler Murray! You've been listening to the Big Red Rage presented by Santan Ford and Gilbert. Are you Santan Ford? State Farm. Talk to an agent today at 800-STATE-FARM. And by Arizona Cardinals Podcasts. Visit azcardinals.com slash podcasts. This has been an exclusive presentation of the Arizona Cardinals Football Club.